Welcome back to another episode of Shrinking Stigma, a podcast series dedicated to dispelling myths about mental illness and the field of psychiatry, funded by the Alberta Medical Association. My name is Dr. Sheila Cherry Van Horn, and I'm here today with my colleague, Dr. Jonathan Dornian. This podcast is entitled, What a Psycho, and its aim is to provide education on what we in the field of medicine term psychotic disorders. So I'm really glad that we're addressing this today. There's just so much misinformation out there about psychotic illnesses. I really feel that that is partially driving some of the stigma surrounding those who suffer from these disorders. Yes, I do believe they are a very misunderstood class of mental illness. One of the challenges is use of the term psychotic or psycho in everyday language. The term psycho is frequently used in English jargon to describe all manners of odd behavior. It can connote irrationality, aggression, or even violent behavior. For sure. And often that can bring to mind all sorts of strange imagery with people with threatening looks, ugly expressions and quite odd posturing. There's actually a book cover out there for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson that has, has a picture quite like this. Exactly, which is very interesting because in reality, many people who suffer from psychosis actually appear quite flat, emotionless and unresponsive. I can certainly attest to that when I was in the emergency department last night. The difference between public perception and what we see is pretty striking. To start things off, Dr. Acharya, can you give the audience a simple rundown of what psychosis is? The word psychosis is used to describe a condition that affects the mind in such a way that there is a loss of contact with reality. When someone becomes ill in this way, it is called a psychotic episode. Psychotic episodes are characterized by five key features. Number one, delusions. Number two, hallucinations. Number three, disorganized thinking or disorganized speech. Number four, grossly disorganized or abnormal motor behavior. And number five, negative symptoms. To clarify, during a period of psychosis, a, per a person's thoughts and perceptions are disturbed and the individual may have difficulty understanding what is real and what is not. Symptoms of psychosis include delusions, which are fixed false beliefs, and hallucinations, when a person hears or sees things that others don't. Other symptoms include incoherent or nonsense speech and behavior that is inappropriate for the situation. A person in a psychotic episode may also experience depression, anxiety, and sleep problems, social withdrawal, lack of motivation, and difficulty functioning overall. One of the other important aspects is that individuals often do not realize that what they are experiencing internally is not based on the external reality of their world. It does sound like it could be a very distressing illness to live with. And from what I have seen, it can lead to some very poor outcomes if these individuals are not adequately treated. Yes, Dr. Dornian. Studies have shown that if a psychotic disorder remains uncontrolled, it can lead to significant functional impairment and what we doctors call psychosocial drift. This means impairment in the ability of a person to fulfill their basic needs, including nutrition, exercise, sleep, hygiene, and maintaining personal and professional relationships. 
It can make it difficult for individuals to address their health care needs, maintain housing and employment, and interact in a positive way with family or friends so that they may benefit from their ongoing love and support. This is particularly troublesome as studies have also shown that psychotic illness, especially as its inception or when there is a relapse, needs broad, diverse, and comprehensive treatment. The kind of comprehensive treatment that is needed extends beyond antipsychotic medication to include cognitive remediation approaches to address the specific cognitive deficits patients with schizophrenia suffer. For instance, many patients have significant difficulty with their memory. They can benefit from psychosocial treatments, behavioral therapies, including cognitive behavioral therapies that help them learn how to read facial expressions or body language of others so they don't struggle as much socially. They can further benefit from training and community involvement. In fact, a recent study called the RAISE study found that implementing all of the above treatments early on in disease manifestation generates better outcomes sooner in young people. It can be such a devastating disorder, and one that we know could be helped with a heavy dose of human support and compassion. But why then do you think that there is such a stigma against individuals who suffer from psychotic disorders? I think part of the answer to this question lies in its history. It is always poignant to review the long history of psychotic illness in society, particularly its most severe variant, schizophrenia. Descriptions of schizophrenia can be found in works of literature from earliest times. Schizophrenia-like symptoms are described in individuals labeled as seers and prophets, as well as witches and devils. The perspective of schizophrenia being a human brain disease did not develop until the 19th century. Then, humane treatment was prescribed for what they called insanity, an approach that advocated care, protection, and human understanding for those affected. But without a thorough understanding of the disease, the ability to educate society and treat the patients was significantly hindered. So what do we know for sure then? We actually know a lot now, and our knowledge is growing at an exponential rate, which is promising for our patient and exciting for our field. We know that there are a class of psychotic disorders that have been established around the five key diagnostic features articulated before. So those are the delusions, the hallucinations, the disorganized thinking, grossly disorganized behavior, and the negative symptoms. We know that these disorders can be characterized by time frame, by the addition of a mood component, for example, a mania, or if the psychotic episode happened in the context of a medical condition, use of drugs or alcohol, or happened during withdrawal for, from drugs or alcohol. We also know that psychotic illness, and schizophrenia in specific, is a chronic brain disorder that approximately affects 1% of the population worldwide. The psychotic features of schizophrenia typically emerge between the late teens and mid-30s. The peak age of onset for the first psychotic episode is in the early to mid-20s for males and in the late-20s for females. We know that there is a strong contribution for genetic factors in determining risk for schizophrenia. We also know that the disease has been linked to a problem with a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which is what many of the antipsychotic medications used target. 
we are gaining an evolving understanding of neuroanatomy and several regional human brain-based models have been implicated in symptom manifestation. For instance, there is the thought that the cognitive dysfunction patients suffer, so that can include the poor memory, is localized to a place called the prefrontal cortex. And the, psychot the psychosis is localized to another place in the brain called the hippocampus. Finally, we know for certain that with treatment, most symptoms of schizophrenia will greatly improve and that the best approach is a biopsychosocial one that includes medications, therapy, and social support. Bottom line, these patients need the support of all members of society, citizens, and our institutions. Psychotic disorders have historically had devastating consequences, but with our newfound knowledge, they no longer have to. Wow, thanks for that. So that's going to conclude today's episode. For future episodes, please subscribe to our podcast on your podcasting platform of choice.